do your little part because that little part matters. It doesn't matter how little you can still do something because again, like we are all in community together and we have to coexist and realize that we all are valued and important. Welcome to our podcast series, Resistance in Color. We explore resistance as the way that we fight the challenges, structures that negatively affect spheres of our mental, social and physical health. We hear from a host of BIPOC voices of community members featuring activists, healers, organizers, students. We will engage in how we resist, find solidarity, and gain insight on how to cope within our own bodies. The series features stories of incredible resilience focused on the healing of both individuals and communities as an active form of resistance. This podcast series has been made possible by the Fund for Safe Communities grant of the Minneapolis Foundation to NAMI Minnesota's Multicultural Youth Advisory Board. Welcome and thank you for listening. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Resistance in Color. Yay! (laughs) Today I'm going to introduce you to Cindy Yang, our speaker, our guest of the day. Cindy Yang is a content creator, artist, and healer. Um, She uses she slash fluid gender pronouns and is currently enrolled in a massage therapy program and have created a health space for the community. The past projects that he have done was the Asian Women Healing and Creative Collective that was found funded through the Women's Foundation of Minnesota, where she created an eight-week program for Asian women to gather to discuss specific topics and write their own creative piece. She's currently working on as the healthy relationships coordinator where she does similar work around creating safe space and workshops for girls um city also works to talk about subjects around healthy relationships and sexual violence um she also incorporates art projects to express their ideas around sexual violence prevention so let's welcome city to our podcast Woo-hoo, yay! <laughs> yes i'm glad to be here <laughs> so welcome city um i think just to start us off why don't you introduce us to yourself i guess we've read something about you but introduce <laughs> us to yourself and the resistance work that you do yeah you know when we were talking about the this podcast um parade uh i didn't really i've never really heard of the term resistance and i think that i've you know it's funny because like there's like different terms that come out that you mm-hmm. don't realize but it's like you're you are doing the work but yes. you, you just like oh what is resistance yes, <laughs> you yes. know and and then so i was just like wow that's like really cool to know that like that word is being used because i i can totally resonate with it um, but yeah, so I can just do like a, a brief introduction because I think uh, So Young did an amazing, um, yeah, introduced me amazingly. So my name is City, and I I didn't um, put the plug in of where I worked at. So uh-huh. I am the healthy relationships coordinator at Wise, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think I consider myself a healer, an artist, and just like a community person mm-hmm. and. Um, someone who just really wants to see people thrive and see people be happy and see people be successful and mm-hmm. be holy themselves and be uh, being authentic mm-hmm. um, and living in a place, living in a place where they are able to be themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my work in whatever uh, avenue I take, I feel like um, it's all about helping people or guiding or uh, sharing knowledge and helping people to be more of themselves to to learn how to be someone uh, who they want to be in this world and also to you know and i and i hate to use the word like to protect themselves right but also like just to like know right and to be aware mm-hmm. of things that you need to look out for when you're going about in this world because when we live in this world you know everything isn't just butterflies and rainbows you have to really be aware of a lot of um things that are could happen to you or things that are like behind you know there's like a lot of layers where you have to really 
you know, see it and see the signs to understand like, oh, wow, that's oppressive. Like, yeah. oh, wow, like, that's not right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so just um, my work has just been centered around that, whether it's passion, artistically or professionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. And, and I guess just going off um, what you just said, even in the introduction of resistance, and I think even when we're coming up with the term resistance in color, mm-hmm. it made... It meant many things to us. Um, so I'm curious, uh, as you were looking through and, and reading through this definition, what did that sound like? How, how did you define, how did you end up defining resistance in Kala and being like, okay, this is what I do and I think this is what this podcast is, is, is asking about? What do you think, mm-hmm. how would you define resistance in Kala? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when I thought of the word resistance and just kind of looking at, specifically resistance right um because i feel like resistance and resistance in color is you know it's its own thing too right and so i just feel like when i think about resistance it's basically just resisting anything that doesn't serve a person or a group or you know just anyone right you know and uh, systems that are put in place that are oppressive um whether it's you know in our bigger society whether it's just um in our in different cultures right you know, t- talking just speaking about my own culture right like there's systems put in place yeah. that are meant to be oppressive right and mm-hmm. resistance is resisting that way of living mm-hmm. because we are not able to authentically be ourselves right and mm-hmm. we are not able to thrive the way we deserve to thrive um and so just resisting that and being aware of it too because that is like the biggest thing to resistance it's just being aware that that's happening because Mm we are born into a world where we are conditioned to accept a lot of these things that happen and we're young kids when you're a young kid you don't you know it's wrong but then you know you are so um you are you look up to the people that are around you mm-hmm. and so you are very um easily to be you know mended and molded and shaped you know and that's it's a good and bad thing right mm-hmm. um but you know there's supposed to be um places systems in place and people who who show and guide the young you know the young people the right way to be themselves and the right way to uh live their best life but you know a lot of times it's not that way right mm, it's it's true mm-hmm. And, and so I, you know, and so when I, when, when I was um, looking at specifically resistance and color, I saw it in different ways too. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like when you think about colors, like you can resist in different ways. Like that's kind of how I was thinking of it. Right. Um, because like resistance and color. So I'm like, there's like many different ways that you can resist. Um, uh-huh. But I feel like it also ties into race too when I was reading about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe that's something that, you can enlighten us a little bit more about too. For those of you listening and who can't see me, um, I identify as an East Asian cisgender woman. Um, And at first when we were thinking about this project, a lot of the racial violence that was happening in the world was kind of what made us really want to focus on specifically resistance and color. Um, and I think like what City just mentioned, resistance as color is definitely specifically related to race and ethnicities mm-hmm. on how we are presented to the world. Mm-hmm. And as a woman of color, I think about how I actively try to be aware, like what City said, Mm. of the oppressions that I face just because of my racial and ethnic identity Mm -hmm. and how I can fight it. That can be either just being aware of it or actively being on the streets or talking to people about what's happening Mm. in the world. It can be in so many forms. So going into our identity piece, um, I'm curious how has how have your identities, uh, whether that's your race, ethnicity, gender, 
impacted your journey as a content creator, artist, and a healer? And how have they impacted your work with working with specifically Asian women? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like identity is so important because that makes you who you are mm-hmm. and sometimes they can really harm you and also really empower you but i think it takes a lot of time to reflect on it because you know if you grow up you if you're born into this world as a woman mm-hmm. it's like already like you are already born you know to be at a disadvantage already right um and I know that in different parts of the world, race is seen very differently. But if I can speak for to in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was and I was born in the U.S. I'm first generation um, Hmong American, and you know, already being born, you know, not white, um, of a different ethnicity, or being a person of color in the United States, it also puts you at a different advantage. And you're not oppressed in just one way, but you're oppressed in many, many ways. It's like culturally in your culture, you're oppressed, uh, mainstream society, you're oppressed. And so there's just like all these different layers that you just don't know how to peel yeah. when you're young. Um, and it can cause a lot of just confusion and unrest in you, yeah. um, especially if you've never really had role models who also did have role models right and it's also that cycle of I know the word I think of is like intergenerational trauma or just like cycles Mm -hmm. of not having people who like understand or um have been through those right experience or have but have not processed those because in my lens I come from a like a really um I see the world in a I don't know how to explain it it's like in a uh, oh my god, I don't even know if we people use this word, but like holistic, right? Huh. I like to see things as a whole thing. I don't like to just pinpoint one thing and go really, really, really like in it. Like I have to see the whole thing, and I I want to see everything as a whole, right? You know, so I'm not just gonna pinpoint or go to the extreme of you know going here here. I I want to see the whole thing, and so I feel like growing up as a a young Hmong girl that really has impacted my work because I feel like just for me within my culture Mm -hmm. um and in a lot of cultures right that women aren't and women and girls aren't seen as important right as boys or aren't as capable right Mm -hmm. which we are um and and then you're just thrown into this world of very strict expectations and gender roles for men and women and again not having any space for lgbtq plus folks and um um and so it's 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 hard especially if you hold that identity which i do right and i didn't really realize that up until later on like in high school right until i I, until i but i even then was still denying and you know because you're not taught to accept and embrace those identity and that identity too because in my culture it's very black and white. And I think, in, again, not just in my culture, a lot of cultures yeah. or, you know, just it's like very black and white. Everything's very black and white. Everything's either right or wrong. Yeah. And I just feel like there's no space for people to live in the in-between or in the gray areas. And I feel like that's kind of also a, a, th- a thing I do in my work is just being able to see all the complexities of issues and human beings and, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, finding a way to heal, right? Because there has been so many things that has happened to people, whether it's like war, uh, different traumas, right? Violence. And it's like, how do those people still overcome and triumph those um, experiences that they had and and they're still so resilient, right? right? Um, So it's, that's always like my question because, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in this world and a lot of violence and like, why do those people cause violence and why does it perpetuate continuously over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years through generation over generation? Like, when is it a time for us to be able to be aware of the things that we're perpetuating, whether it's systems, whether it's, you know, cultural practices, you know, how do we still how do we still stay in 
keep our identity of who we are as, you know, for example, me as a Hmong person, right? Among a woman who is fluid, how do I stay Hmong, but but not perpetuate oppressive practices? And that's something I still mm-hmm. have to think about and still ponder. Um, and it's and that's why it's really hard for people to change because they're afraid that they will lose their identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they uphold these really oppressive practices because they think that's what makes their culture or makes them who they are. Yeah. But you know, I feel like I believe that there is a way, and I think that's where my work and resistance is is coming in a place of trying to understand, but also understanding that there are some people that just will not will not be a part of the movement. You know, it's not their time. It's not their, their their time to understand, but for the people who do understand and want to be like, why don't we gather those people yeah. and uh, provide this perspective? And it's uh, it, it comes from a place in you know of love and and from a place in your heart, right? Where we want change to happen, we want people to all people to feel like we all deserve to be treated the way we want to be treated, right? Yes. Because I don't know, like this word equally, right? <laughs> People use yeah. this word equally a lot. And I, I understand, and I've used it too, but, you know, I feel like people, all people need different things. Yeah. And for yeah. you to be treated equally, you know, it's it doesn't help. So that's why people use the word equity, equity more. Yes. Yes. Um, but I just feel like, how do we all, are, how are we all able to just self-actualize mm-hmm. and be who we want to be in this world? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just like my very simple way of saying that, right? When it comes to, um, you know, being oppressed, you know, by your gender or race or, you know, <coughs> whatever, right? But how, how do we have all of these people, you know, who have been marginalized um, and people with disabilities too, I had to mention that too. It's just like, how do we how do we see the humanness in everyone? And how do we create a world where we all feel like we are welcomed yeah. and it's accessible, right, for everyone? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I'm just like going off a tangent, but I don't even, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, it's just like my, my yeah, my identities definitely make it a lot because it's things that I've struggled with forever, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to come to terms and embrace them and accept them for for who for what they are, and and trying to move forward with them and trying to create a world where those identities are welcomed. Yeah, yeah. But I'll just I'll let you ask the next question. No, 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 no that's <laughs> good. I'm going on and on and on, <laughs> and it's that's okay. How I, that's how I do. No. <laughs> It's okay because I think too, in many ways, the ideas that we have about culture are so restricted. I I think we make culture look very stoic and rigid, but culture has never been that way. Culture is constantly evolving with people, with places. And I think as just as we're on culture now, um, one of our questions and one of the things I think we were interested in learning from you is from your experiences, especially with sexual violence which is really difficult and healthy relationships which have also been made to look like they are determined by different people when when we can definitely see what unhealthy is and you know sometimes it's just like uh uh, how do I say it like a tool to say I define what healthy is um it's like a tool to remain oppressive to other people in a relationship and so my question is could you share a little bit from your experiences um the role that you feel like culture has played or can play in defining what healthy relationships look like or like in mitigating or aggravating sexual violence what what is the role that you feel culture plays or has played or should play oh my gosh it plays it is the reason why things are the way it is, whether we talk about like culture as like mainstream culture, or we talking about like specific, like groups of culture, like, like, right, ethnic uh, cultures, right? It's, it is the thing that sets the tone for everything. And especially for our youth nowadays Mm -hmm. that are watching, you know, all the mainstream things and things in the media, right? Um, so I feel I definitely feel like it's a, the biggest thing. And that's something I've noticed, like growing up too, how big culture um, played in my upbringing, um, whether it's within my own culture or just like mainstream culture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And sexual violence is played out to be so normal and so common that if you are not given the knowledge, you just wouldn't even know. Because I feel it's the truth that a lot of young girls and boys, too, have been um, sexually assaulted. Um, I don't know the exact you know statistics, but I know that there's a big... A, big percentage of boys and girls and LGBTQ plus folks that have already been assaulted by the, you know, when, before they turn age 11. Wow. And it's because it's that lack of knowledge and how culture perpetuates these really harmful ideas of that, you know, that men have the right to a woman's body or, you know, women doesn't really have a say to what happens to them or they they have to be submissive to men or you know it's just it's just it's just a lot and i feel like it it it's not going to stop until people become aware and are, are educated and for me i work with immigrant and refugee girls and women and i myself again is the first generation and just um, being in that, growing up from that, you, you don't have those conversations around what is a healthy relationship mm-hmm. or what is sex, what is sexual violence, right? You you don't really understand that. And yeah. uh, specifically for me, I grew up in a household where there was like 10, 11 of us, like in one household. And, you know, we don't understand boundaries. Like we're just all over the place. <laughs> and so it's like you, you, you don't really have boundaries yeah. and you don't really learn what is your space and so you just grow up thinking that whoever comes into your space is okay because you're never taught that your space is important or you are important um even though you are right um and so you you continue to believe like the you know this is just what's happening to me because this is uh what i was born what i i learned as a young person right um but then i feel like with the program that i'm doing um, at at Wise, we are specifically um, doing a seven hour healthy relationship workshop curriculum with the G girls, and we are planning to expand that to other youth groups too, okay. who are of immigrant refugee girls and uh, girls. And we are also wanting to adapt it to a boys one, so we can also teach boys about this too, okay. um, because I feel like when you know and when you have that knowledge of what a healthy relationship is, and it's it's like really common things. But then I just feel like even though we say it so much like, oh, we can easily say three things that are in health relationship, communication, being honest, respectful. But what does it even mean to do and be that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then going deeper into the ideas, uh, uh, into the, the content of what sexual violence is, what is sexual assault, what is rape, yes. what is consent, yes. um, what is the legal age to consent, yes. right? Um, and so I just feel like in the culture that I've, you know, within my culture, you know, coming, being so new to the, to the um, country too, right? There was a lot of practices that, you know, doesn't work here in, in America that worked back in, you know, where they lived. Um, so there was a lot of things that I grew up thinking that it was fine too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like, it's just, yeah, it's just really great to share the knowledge to uh, young people as early as possible. Don't, I don't, I know that it's like really taboo in a lot of cultures just to talk about these kind of things, but I think it needs to be talked about because that will help protect uh, the young people from being, you know, sexually assaulted because we all know that it's very, I mean, maybe we all don't know, right? I'm just assuming, but it's true a lot of young people they can they are usually the people that are targeted when um people want to harm someone right um they're very vulnerable Mm -hmm. and because they are easily um they easily believe right like when you're young you just believe everything and you want to be liked and loved and especially if you don't have an older role model there or parents who are actively in your life right you can have parents but are they actively in your life um and parents people who don't have parents um you know they are always seeking to be loved and be seen by especially like older peers or older adults Mm -hmm. and sometimes there are adults out there that are not so great and they take advantage of that and even people their age also take advantage of that yes and so it's really important to to share with them the knowledge and to 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 also 
you know, get it through and continue talking about it. It's not like a one-time thing. Oh, they're going to get it right it's away. Yeah. It's a continuous work and continuous movement. I, I believe, truly believe that prevention is like one of the biggest key things yeah. because we always, when we work in this, this world of, um, you know, prevention mm-hmm. or in the DV and uh, d- domestic violence and sexual violence movement. Yes. It, it, a lot of times we talk about, okay, how can we um, serve the people who are survivors and victims? Yeah. And how do we um, give them more better services and doing the intervention and direct services? Um, but what if we focused on prevention more, you know, and then to the to that point, then we wouldn't even need to, right, give them direct services as much because yes. we are preventing them and giving them the knowledge. Of course, right, in this world, it's it's not a perfect world where we can 100% um, do, you know, eliminate something. But I think if we focus a lot more on prevention and sharing the knowledge mm-hmm. to the young folks, then I think that that can definitely do so much for them. Mm. And I think I just like totally went off around like culture, but I, I just feel like, again, in culture, yeah. you don't learn these things, right? You don't learn these things and you, you grow up seeing so much violence on on tv mm-hmm. and like within your peers and even like in violent homes and um people who you look up to who 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 um act in very violent ways yeah. right or say very sexist things and you just think that's just okay. what it is yeah so i i feel like definitely um it's just yeah it it's just that and just sharing um the knowledge and continuing to get funding to share this knowledge with young folks and our students and you know because the schools they don't they it's not in their curriculum to teach these things so it it has to be outside organizations to come in to teach about this because even in schools yeah they can teach about like you know um a little bit about sex and a little bit about like um you know birth control and contraceptives but they're not going to go into what is sexual assault what is right right that i i feel like that is like i feel so empowered just like by hearing your passion and drive towards um sexual assault and prevention because it's it's not a light topic at all and i feel like it's something that not everyone can do obviously mm-hmm. so Thank you for being amazing and doing the work that you're doing. I guess our next question is kind of related to the work in terms of why you chose to do your work. Like, how did you choose to become a healer and an artist um, rather than, like, a teacher or, like, a, I don't know, like, a kindergarten teacher or, like, a healthcare (laughs) professional? Um... Can you tell me more about how you realize that this is how you want to contribute to healing of women and girls? Yeah, and I think even as yeah. you're answering that question, sorry to cut you off, but as you're answering that question, I think sometimes um, we might get lost on what it means to be a healer. So maybe you can also start by sharing a little bit. What what does that mean? Is that is that like a a, a doctor? Is that another word for doc? Uh, just tell us a little bit about um, being a healer as you answer that question. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, for me, I do see a doctor as a healer. Yeah. I see anyone who provides <laughs> healing. <laughs> I mean, like a mental health therapist is a healer, right, and right. someone who does body work, like massage and like more uh, alternative yes. types of um, healthcare practices, like Reiki or massage. Um, there's other ones too, but I I feel like those are all considered be considered being healers. So I I see healers as anyone who mm-hmm. is helping um, the process of someone or animal, you know, um, in their process of. <laughs> I keep <laughs> wanting to say healing, healing, but I'm trying to define healing. Um, feel better or um, get into a better state of being, Okay. right? Whether it's your mental health, whether it's um, body, mm. your, your physical ailment, ailments, um, whether it's things that are held in your body that you're unaware of. But I, I honestly believe um, everything is connected. So if you're getting a physical ailment, it could be something that 
um, is caused by you repressing something within you that's causing your body to react that way. Right. Um, or, it, you know, you having some sort of um, mental illness could be from you, yeah, suffering some sort of trauma that has came out in a physical or mental way. So it, I feel like everything is connected. It's never just, oh, you're you're just, you know, something physical happened to you, it, it, you know. It, it was created from a feeling, you know, because I think feeling and believing something in a human being's mind is so powerful that it can mm. make you believe something, mm-hmm. right? The placebo placebo effect. So um, I'm kind of going off with the healer, the healer, but yes, that's what I see as a healer. Okay. Um, and so going into why I chose this path for me, um, I don't know. I don't really know how I fell into it. I've always been a person who have struggled with identity and struggled with my purpose because I've always understood for myself that I really want to help people. I remember as a freshman in high school and my mom just asked like, oh, like you need to figure out what you want to do. Da, da, da. And I just like, I just, I just don't want to help people. I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I just want to help people and I just remember feeling so much for people and always wanting to understand and know how people feel and know how people's days are because for me I don't know I just care about people a lot and I think that's kind of how it kind of leads me into the work I do like you don't know what you want to do sometimes some people you know are born and they're like I know exactly what I want to do but for me I just I didn't know and I didn't have a lot of direction and a lot of uh, role models that looked like me or role models in my life who did the things that I felt like I wanted to do so I just felt like I never I don't really know what I wanted to do Mm. I didn't know what I really wanted to do Mm. um and it actually led into college Um, Because high school, yeah, I didn't do anything really. I was too, like, I was really shy and I was really scared. I did not believe in myself. I did not feel like I was worthy, right? Because I felt like being in a school that was predominantly white and I honestly felt really, I just felt like I didn't belong. And I always was so afraid to speak English because I grew up speaking Hmong with, uh, because I, I grew up with my grandparents and I think that's a blessing. Um, but I was always very self-conscious about how I processed things and how it came out in English. Mm -hmm. And so writing really helped me because I was really bad for me at that time. I I felt like it was really hard for me to process things verbally, but writing things was great. Uh And I, I've always known that I was a, Writing just came easily to me, but okay. I didn't understand that I was good because I was just like, oh yeah, everyone's good at writing, yeah, you know. And then, um, and then I just like that's how I could express myself through writing. Yes. I used to keep journals all the time as a kid, writing stuff, getting mad at my brother, like, mm, you know. And and then w- once it hit college was when I met uh, a boyfriend, <laughs> and he was actually the person that kind of pushed me out of my shell and I that was when I actually did my first spoken word and he was also a really creative person and so he he reintroduced me to like journaling and like writing and and I think that's when I felt like I had the confidence to like be an artist and then once I did my first spoken word and it was uh for an MLK day and I just felt like you know I think I could I can do this you know and I and then you I just kept doing it and I was so nervous y'all like yeah I was so nervous I stayed up all night like 4 a.m like practicing it and yes. he stayed up all night with me like fell asleep and I was like recording myself like until 4 a.m and the event was like at 8 a.m and so but ever since that day like I just continued doing it and I felt I just continued to feel more confident where I started going in like I danced for three years and I started really late but a lot of people who watched me they, they're like oh like did you used to dance like as a kid I'm like no I just started when I was like 21 <laughs> and they're like super surprised because I think when you, you so always good. had it in you right mm-hmm. but you just was never encouraged to do it yes, yes and so I used to feel like oh my gosh like if I had parents who like encouraged me to be creative at a young age I could have been doing gazillions now but Mm. I've come to realize and accept that you know my parents only could 
parent the way that they know how to parent. And yes. I don't hold that against them yes. anymore as an older person, right? <laughs> but when I was young, of course, like you're a teenager and you're just like, oh my gosh, my parents don't support me. They're mm. not helping me with my dreams. But I feel like I'm okay to be where I am now, uh, where I am a community artist. And I do want to continue to push that. And now I'm like, I do spoken word and now I'm going into music and stuff like that, right? And it's the music piece is more of me expressing like my experiences and me expressing what I want to say and what, what I've felt from people, right? Yeah. And what people want to hear. And um, I try to be intentional with what I say. Of course, like, I'm going to do a little swearing. But, I, you know, I want to do it in a very intentional way. Because I do believe that swearing in music is good if it's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, and then... Yeah, so that's kind of my route with with art, yeah. um, and it's it, it all it, and it all intersects because I also believe that art can be really healing. Because honestly, when you write, or if you if that's your chosen art medium that you do, or yeah. like dance, whatever art medium you chose, mm-hmm. it's like when you do that, like you just get lost in it. And when you're feeling really sad and you write, like you literally feel like you're transferring whatever you're feeling at that moment into the pen, onto the paper, and you just feel a little bit better. It doesn't, it's not a way to like fully heal yourself completely, but Mm. it's like a way to cope and a way to feel less whatever you're feeling. Yeah, like an outlet. Um, Mm-hmm. right and yeah. then um yeah and then when you listen to it and you and people vibe with it too then that feels even better because hey. you're like wow like i'm not the only one feeling this way right like other people are feeling this way too right. and yeah back when i was um you know in a really deep dark hole um it was yeah like when in 2018 when i was in a really really deep dark hole i just you know you feel like you're just alone no one knows how you feel yes but when you start connecting yourself with people and sharing how you really feel other people like come out and they're like yeah, I'm feeling that way too. And then mm. now when I feel sad or down, like it, I can bounce back really fast because I'm like, let me reach out to someone. And yes. I know that pe- I'm not the only one feeling this yes, way yes, because yes, we're all yes. human beings. And I've come to understand like everyone goes through this kind of things. So yes. So that's kind of like my art mm-hmm. and also it intersects with healing because I think art and healing goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I enrolled in massage therapy was because I felt um, I wanted to do that healing work. I wanted to find alternative ways of healing and how people can heal themselves versus like depending on medication that afterwards, right? We're talking about always like after the fact, after that's happened, then I, then I will heal myself. Then I will do this. <laughs> but what about the prevention piece? What about, you know, the simple ways of like drinking water and getting massages or, or you know, doing things to prevent yourself from, from, from hurting, right. Yeah, or from yeah. getting physical, physically having a physical ailment. And so I was like this, the, the most, um, easy way for me to get in the door is massage and so that's why i started doing um massage and i have actually come to really really like it because i understand the healing power of touch Mm. and how that really affects human beings and and animals in general too is that touch is so healing like depending on like who like people some people just have that touch where they can really just make you feel better um and, and, and again, touch is so important to human beings because we're social people, social beings. We need to feel like loved and touched, right? Yeah. Depending on your level of what, how you want to be, right? Um, and then also um, in 2020, um, M- March of 2020, right before the pandemic, my grandma, she passed away. Mm-hmm. And that was also like a big wake up call for me to preserve her legacy yeah. because you know, I think in my culture where she is a widow and she doesn't have sons, I don't feel like she, she is valued as much Mm. and she is not, um, seen as someone that people respect. Right. Um, and so I just, you know, I wanted to preserve and uplift her value because she has done so much for us in this life that she lives, but just because of who she, who her gender and who like you know children wise she's not really seen as someone valuable right Right. to other people and so i like i really and she she was like an unofficial like amazing healer who everyone came to her to like massage them when they were like hurting Mm -hmm. and she always did that for everyone and i just like that really pushed me 
to continue to do massage because I'm like, this is the way that I can preserve her legacy. And I don't know how to preserve it, but that is my way. And to always to continue to speak her name when mm-hmm. I'm doing that, because I want people to know like her impact that she's done in this world. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't say it, and if I don't tell people then no one's not going to know and realize her value. Yeah. But yes, I'll just, I'll leave that there with the healing and art. <laughs> And that in itself is resistance too. I don't know if you're hearing yourself, but yo, in, in your definition earlier of like oppression and in the things that you like to do or you want to do, uh, you talked about pushing back against systems that prevent us from being our authentic selves. And that is you kind of reclaiming um, reclaiming uh, your grandmother's role and value through your work and through her work as a healer and by becoming that back into and, and bringing it back into the community you by doing that is an act of resistance and resilience so I hope you all yeah big pat on the back thank <laughs> We're you cheering yeah, I didn't for even you. realize that's yes thanks yeah. for putting that out gosh that's amazing <laughs> yes you're, do- you're doing the thing you're doing <laughs> the thing <laughs> You can see, um, um, if you were able to see, you would see San. She's been snapping most through your no. <laughs> talking listeners. No. <laughs> um, as we try to kind of close and, and wrap up to ne- today, uh, maybe two final questions. And one of this is very related to what you just said. Um, but I, I think being in the healing space in the different ways that you have been able to share healing with other people, if that's through art or actually through touch with massage therapies, how have you found healing to look different um, in color, specifically as we're talking about within people of color? And then if you break that down even further and think in gender, how has that looked how has that looked different? And if we think about how community, how the community sees healing, do you feel like that has also changed with um, even the impact of COVID? Do you think healing has changed? Because I think sometimes a lot of people use, we, we think of healing specifically only in an institutional way or in the hospital lens or in PPE and masks. But uh, during this whole pandemic time, we have been hearing from a lot of different healers as well who have been talking about music as healing. Like you're saying, people have been using art as healing. People have been uh, doing pot- things with their hands to kind of heal their bodies back. Um, so how, I think those are my thoughts, <laughs> but how do you think or how have you found healing to look different in color specifically and, and in gender too? Yeah. Um, so when you say um, healing in color and gender, is that like compared to like how people traditionally look at healing? Is that what we're comparing it to? Hmm. Yes. And even how we think about healing within uh, a black body or within an Asian body. How is that different um, from being from healing um, in a in in a in not a body of color because i think people mm. of color have been experiencing mm. things yes, uh, yes. In, a, in a different way so how do they experience definitely. healing in a different way as well okay definitely yeah that <laughs> that makes more sense yeah i definitely feel like definitely every um race and every person they definitely have their own trauma that they hold mm. right so me as an asian Hmong person right won't hold the same trauma as someone as a woman who's black right mm-hmm. um but we all hold trauma right and it's and we i feel like as people of color we have to really understand each other's right because mm-hmm. we're all in this fight together like even if we come from we are we we come from different experiences um but we as human beings can really connect on that human level that we may have gone through different experiences, but we have the same human emotions. Right. And I think that's something too, right? Yeah. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I just feel like I, for me, like I just, I can't speak for anyone else or who, who, any any other person of color, right? Because yes. for me, I can only speak from the perspective of 
among women yes you know yes. um so i i don't want to like i don't want to speak for Other others people. right yeah um but i definitely want to make it aware that everyone's experience is different but we can definitely connect and there are connections there and there is shared um feelings of trauma right mm. feelings of feeling like we don't have a home or feelings of not being valued as much as whoever right and those feelings of just not feeling like we belong in spaces right. like those are those the things that we need to focus on right um and the feelings that we don't see ourselves right in the media a lot um or if we do then it's something bad or very <laughs> super stereotyped yeah. and um how do we come together right because i also want to acknowledge that you know we do we as people of color do come together but there are times when we don't come together too right mm -hmm. and that's just the reality of it um because sometimes we separate each other yeah. separate from each other too and um, but we also have to know that that's not a good thing to do because what we say it, if we do that then we're feeding into the oppressive systems and white supremacy right and we have to find those similarities and to understand that we all want to be happy and we all want to be seen and heard and to be able to thrive as who we are right. as people of color mm -hmm. right um and how can we do that together how can we um come into spaces where we feel like we can all um heal i mean you know we have to, there's a time to heal within your own community right but there's also a time for us to heal collectively as a whole too um as people of color because a lot of stuff happened right yep. just so many things to unpack and so many things to 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 process and you know, we, we have to do that together. Um, again, there's a time to do it individually. There's a time to do it within your own like race. And there's a time to do it all together because at the end of the day, we are all living in the same space together. Um, and how do we uh, come together to, to heal that together? Um, and yeah, I just, there's just, yeah, I just feel like there's like, as I'm thinking about, you know, the experience of healing from, um, you know, the, the perspective, right, of um, people of color. It's just, I just feel like it's just so much, right? Yeah. It's so heavy, too. And um, it just takes, it takes time to unravel that because of our intersectionality as well. Because there's just like like again like there's layers like you get born into the world and you're like a woman and you're a person of color and you know there's just so many things that you have to um unpack and it's just amazing how resilient right um we are even having to unpack all these things and it just oh my gosh i don't know i i just feel so like emotional like i'm not like about to cry but i feel like gosh like how like gosh how are we so resilient right you know and thinking about the people i know too and like even thinking about myself too is like how are we still doing this <laughs> <laughs> right i was thinking about yeah. that too with the uh with the protests that um were happening last year and with the black lives matter movement i was just thinking how I, even just going back to seeing the through history different avenues and different um, eras that people of color have just been fighting to be seen, to be valued, and that we're still fighting now. It's so that we're still so how how are we still fighting? That the energy is still there to still be resilient, and that in itself, ladies and gentlemen, is resistance in color. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just had chills. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, you gave yourself. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I just feel like it's so hard for us to be. Like, that's one thing where we feel like the word we've been using is like code switching, mm -hmm. where you're like in one place and you're, you have to be a certain way. And then when you're in like mainstream spaces, you feel like you have to act right yeah. a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and so some things that I've also been learning about is to like decolonize your mind, yes. right? The work that I do. And it's like you start seeing stuff. You're like, oh, my gosh, like, wow, I was doing that. Wow. I was perpetuating that. Like, what? You know? And you yes. just like start thinking like how do you come back to yourself yeah. right as a person of color or you know whatever you know as who you identify with like me as a Hmong person how do I come back to me being a Hmong person mm. even though I was conditioned to be all of these things yes. or to conform into like you know like a white centered world yes, yes. and like 
I feel like as you continue to learn those things for yourself too, and you put yourself in that work, like you can show up as yourself, no matter if it's like a white dominant space, I can still be myself. Right. And that's really hard for a lot of people. They feel like they have to conform. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. Right. As a person of color, like you feel like you have to conform Mm -hmm. to how, you know, how that the white centered culture is like. And then that disconnects you to who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. (sighs) See, now you gave us chills. Like Peta said, chills for <laughs> multiple times throughout what City has been talking about, and as a also like an Asian woman, I am just like so empowered and thankful that we have people like City mm-hmm. who is doing the work that they're doing to help others like me, um, or like anyone else who needs these affirmations and informations to actually work on ourselves and be inspired to share that information um and fight and literally resistance in color to perform that so yeah i my heart is just warm (laughs) after talking with city so thank you so much yes no problem yeah and city thank you for coming on our platform here and just lending your voice truly um we are also, as as Han said, learning what what it means to be resistant in color and 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 trying to to hear from other people what that has looked like. So, Sherry, thank you so much for sharing your voice and for coming on here and sharing it with the rest of our listeners as well. Yeah, and can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah sure. as y'all kept talking, I just some something little came up. I think something too is like right to to be in this movement of resistance of color, which I really love. Gosh, I really love that term. <laughs> thank um. You. It's like to to learn about everyone, what what everyone's going through too, right? right. Like a lot of things are happening in this world, yeah. right? And in the U.S. And for you to stay up to date with what which groups are going through what and how you can support, mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing too um, that everyone can do, right? Like yes. stuff that's happening in Myanmar because yes. we have a big current community here that we want to support. Yes. Um, and even like stuff that's happening in Palestine, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, with Black Lives Matter and stuff that's happening right here, right? Yes. Um, like, how do we support our communities here that are living? We're all living here and coexisting yes. together. How do we support each other? Yes. Um, and do the, the, the thing that you're capable of doing. If you're able to go to protests, if you're able to go rallies, go. If you can't, donate. If you can't, like, share stuff on social media. Like, do your little part because yes. that little part matters. Yes, yes. It doesn't matter how little, you can still do something because, again, like, we are all in community together and we have to coexist and realize that we all are valued and important. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I, you know, people have this perspective like, oh, gosh, I'm just so, I'm, like, already doing so much for this. I don't want to do that. But it's like, but, you know, I, I don't know. Every, everything matters. Yes, everything matters. <laughs> Every little thing you can do just do it everything that you can do is your is your own version of what resistance and color is right yeah right okay we will wrap up here thank you so much city and thank you all for joining us visit nami minnesota online at namimn.org all music loops used in this episode came from the song titled the way produced by mike lighty and made available through a creative commons license Mike Lighty's music can be heard online at soundcloud.com forward slash Mike Lighty. Lighty is spelled L-E-I-T-E. For information about the Creative Commons license and additional links to Mike's music, including the full version of the song, The Way, please see the podcast show notes for this episode.